0: The FA is a big brand. Yeah, you're, you're proud to be part of it. You know, I love being able to say I play for Women's yeah. Premier League.
1: Believe it or not, that is the voice of the Turbo, otherwise known as Michelle Beasley, a really fascinating woman. She's the training manager for drivers at First Great Western and keeps herself incredibly busy, as well as providing the onboard announcements when you're sitting on the train wondering how long you've been delayed for. Uh, She also keeps herself busy uh, out of work as well, playing for the Premier League women's football as you will hear when we look through the papers this morning. So with me here in the studio today is a woman that I love working with. I don't work with her enough, actually. Uh, Michelle Beasley. She's the training manager of drivers and also the voice of the turbo. So I know her funnily enough, in a voice of the turbo capacity. Though today, Michelle, you surprised me. You turned up in your high-vis gear. I thought you must be the postman. And your opening words were, I just drove the train here. (laughs) It's a fabulous statement. Tell me more about that. Was it a good journey?
0: It was was thick fog. Mm -hmm. Um, I got on the train at Swindon to drive to Bristol. I was actually being route-conducted by another driver. So he was telling me, you know, the speeds and where to put the brake in. Um, But, yeah, it was an interesting experience, Um, you know, one, two, five uh, in thick fog, you know, which is, you know, perfectly safe. Mm. You you wouldn't think, but, it you know, it's perfectly safe and it's much less frightening driving a train in fog than a car. Why is that? Because, you know, your car's going to your train's going to stay on the rails. Mm. You know, last night I got caught in fog whilst driving my car and uh, it was really disorientating. And, uh, you know, you're not going to stay in the road unless you control the steering wheel. Mm. And uh, yeah, that frightened me a lot more than uh, than driving at 125
1: in my train. And what's it like when you get off the train? I mean, I know there's that moment when you're on the motorway and you've been doing high speeds and you get onto a piece of road that's 30 miles an hour, and suddenly 30 feels like so ridiculously slow. Do you have that same sensation when you get off a train and you've been driving it?
0: Yeah, it is quite similar in a train. You can get speed drunk you know, so you're getting, you know, you're going along at 125. um, And then as you come into Bristol, this speed eventually reduces to 15 miles an hour as you come into the platform. And uh, so to have been, you know, a few minutes ago, doing over 100 miles an hour down to 15, it does feel like, you know, walking
1: pace. And you now train train drivers, so you don't get to drive the trains as much. So you you seized this opportunity when you realised this was a route that you're actually taking today. You wouldn't normally manhandle it, I have <laughs> to add. It wasn't that you sort of literally jumped in and said, All "Right, I'm going to do this." Was it?
0: No, it was at, it was pre-planned. Mm. So um, I mean, the the train I drove was the train I was going to catch here originally. Mm. Um, but as it goes, I know a driver from Gloucester. He mentioned that he was driving this particular train from Swindon. I thought, great, I'll come for a drive with mm. you. And he's, you know, really good bloke, very good driver and uh, really accommodating. So yeah, he took us for a spin.
1: So there you are, you've turned up in your high bees, <laughs> your steel toe cap <laughs> boots, your high bees bag. You've got to look the part, haven't oh, you? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. In case anyone sees you and just thinks it's a casual member of, yeah. general member of public. Thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't yeah. have done rocking up in jeans. Oh,
1: right. So. And are you driving home?
0: Not not yet. I'll see yeah. the driver is on the way back. <laughs> and uh, you know, see if they're happy to route conduct me on the Bro. way back.
1: Well, I so like your style, Michelle. And also, <laughs> in case anyone missed your first podcast, Voice of the Turbo as well, which is quite literally. You're the woman there who's giving out the announcements. I think it's a fabulous honour, don't you?
0: Yeah, it's it's quite a cool thing to have done, mm. you know, to because they're essentially saying you've got a nice enough voice mm. to... Um, to be broadcast over the London Thames Valley. So yeah, it's quite quite a cool thing. It's kind of a bit of a claim to fame. Yeah, it is. And
1: today we've been doing um well, basically we've been counting up to sixty. Feels a little bit play school. But it's because of the delays and there's been an awful lot recently, haven't there? Yes. Mother yeah. Mother Nature's been well and truly um throwing a few things at us and we're here really today you know not to just talk about what you do but take a look at some of those news stories the trains have really been struggling haven't they for very obvious reasons
0: yeah it's uh you know it's incredible the amount of rain that's fallen you know the problems we've been having in the london thames valley are um not so much that the tracks have flooded although there have been uh local ice floods but the way it has affected the signalling system because all the all the wiring runs alongside and underneath the track. So, um especially around Maidenhead area, it's it's been very, very wet and there is still, you know, some signalling uh, not issues, but where there were issues they've, you know, improved how the signals work so we can run a good train service through the area. I mean, de a dawlish way has it's been incredible. Oh, you know, Mother Nature has gotten really angry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um and just, yeah, tearing down that wall, um, tearing down the seawall. And, you know, if you saw the pictures, the, the rails are just hanging in thin air. And it's, you know, the force of nature
1: is really quite incredible. There's nothing we can do to, to stop it. And I think, you know, for once, you haven't been receiving too much slack. I mean, you'll know more than I will. But obviously when there are delays you're getting it in the neck all the time. The Great British public getting very cross about things. But there was obviously this huge understanding Mm. when you could see the images for yourself that, my goodness me, you couldn't even contemplate any vehicle going near it, could you?
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, the public have been very good, very understanding. I think it helps a lot because I follow First Great Western on Twitter Mm. and uh, the Twitter guys who, who post for First Great Western are, you know, are incredible, really. Mm. They they do a lot of work and they get... Sometimes they get a lot of flack, but then they also get a lot of praise, you know. Um, but they are incredible. They post, you know, updates as soon as they can. They keep individual people updated on how the, how it's going to affect their journey. Uh, and it also allows us to post pictures of how bad it is. Mm. You know, you know we're, we're not conning you when we say there is flooding because we can post a picture of on it. And, uh, and yeah, so people have been really good, really understanding. It's been a nice uh, – the communication via Twitter has been exceptional. And then, you know, there's the website, which is um, which is pretty good as well.
1: Is there a sense of normality again now?
0: Uh, fair normality, yes. We do have some different working procedures because of uh, how it's affected the signalling. But generally speaking, we can run a near-normal train service.
1: No need for us to count from 20 to 60, then. Well, (laughs) (laughs) we hope. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, fingers crossed we won't actually be using those numbers. They're just
0: there just in case. Just in case
1: on the back burner. Now, on a sad note and (coughs) staying topical, of course, it's this week that we've learned that Bob Crow, the RMT leader, has also died. I mean, he really was quite a man, wasn't he, representing the voice of the working class very much?
0: Absolutely. You know, people have very... Uh, strong opinions on Bob Crow, but regardless of how you thought of him, he was a working-class hero because he really cared about the people he represented, you know, and a lot of railway workers, you know, have come from the working classes and uh, he's done a, he's done them a lot of favours. You know, obviously he's got a big team behind him and, you know, we're all brothers and sisters in the union. Yeah, he's a very strong leader and it's, it's a very... Um, it's a very sad week for unions, really.
1: Yeah, A man of his time in many ways.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you could say he was quite old school. Mm. And, uh, you know, people will always complain about strikes. But, you know, maybe it's old school, but maybe it's the best we've got. Mm. Um, but it, it is, it's not just foot stamping. You know, it really, it is genuinely to protect the interests of the workers. And also, you know, safety. Uh, I've got quite understanding friends, Uh, you know, when I was on shift driving trains saying, oh, God, you only get that much break or, you know, it must be it must be really tiring if you've been up since three o'clock. How do you have a how do you have a normal life? So, you know, all the work that um, Bob Crow and his team and the other unions. So you've got Aslef and uh, Tessa as well. You know, they put in a lot of work so that uh, so that people can be treated well and that you know, com- uh, safety isn't compromised.
1: And why do you think in particular he had an attraction or the working classes in particular were attracted to him, do you think? Uh,
0: he's, he's, not, he's not come from an upper-class background. You know, he is working class through and through. So his heart, is, his heart is there. He's a very passionate man, or was a very passionate man, about what he was doing. And he cared, mm. you know. And I, th- and I, th- I think his uh, intentions were genuine. And that's that's what attracted people to him.
1: It's um, not a man that you've met, though you were a member or are a member of his union, is that right?
0: Yes, I was a member of the RMT when mm. I was a, a train manager. Um, God, that was ten years ago now. <laughs> Scary. So, yes, I've been a member of the RMT. You know, they are a they are a good union. Mm. And, uh, you know, you, you know you're in safe
1: hands. And it's important to <clears throat> make sure that people have a voice as well, isn't it?
0: Absolutely, mm. you know... Um, he did famously say, um, if we all spit together, we'll drown the bastards. <laughs> I thought it was just a really good quote yeah. um, about, you know, we all have to pull together. And it's not necessarily about getting what we want. It's about getting what's fair and uh, and what's safe as well. You know, there is genuinely a lot uh, about safety that he was caring about.
1: OK. As yeah. well. A sad loss there for the Bob crow. And on a different note, I mean, you're very much a woman's woman and you keep yourself incredibly busy, Michelle. I never know how you managed to do this. <laughs> but you also play for the Premier League, don't you? For Reading, am I right in saying in uh, women's
0: football? No, I play for Lewis oh, Lewis. Lewis FC. Okay.
1: And there was a big game last night. Now, this is the point where I have to say, look, I'm going to put my hands up. <laughs> I'm not a football fan. My other half is, so that's about as much as I get. There was zero coverage at all when it came to women's football. That's right, isn't
0: it? Yeah, that's right. Um England ladies' team uh, played in the Cyprus Cup final mm-hmm. yesterday versus France. Uh, they came runners-up. And, uh, yeah, there was very little coverage, very little publicity. You know, I mean, on my Twitter feed, I, I follow lots of people in, in the women's football mm-hmm. circle. So I knew about it. My friends knew about it. My football friends like you just said, you didn't know that that was no. happening because it's not in the it's not in the um, general media,
1: mm. which is a, which is a terrible shame. Mm. I, I mean, I I can't believe also that you're you play in the Premier League. Obviously, that's a really good thing. You're a fit woman, and you don't get paid, do you? You're not on a salary that's comparable no. <laughs> with anyone else at the top of the Premier League. It's expenses only. Is that right?
0: That's that's correct. Mm. Um, so yeah, I play with the uh, with Lewis FC in the Women's Premier League Southern. Mm. It's the top tier in women's winter football. Mm -hmm. Um, In the overall grand scheme of football, you've got uh, two women's super leagues, which are sort of, you know, the top of the tree. And then you've got the Premier League, Southern and Northern. It's, It's a good level of football. Well, most of us are either students or we have to hold down full time jobs because you know there is there is very little money in women's football.
1: Why do you think it is that there was so little coverage yesterday?
0: In my oh god, in my humble opinion, you know I would have to say um, part of it is due to a big old big old lump of sexism. Mm. Um, now I understand women's football is not as big as men's. Well, it's not fine, but I can understand it because men's football has been evolving for many many years. You know, in the 60s was when it started to get big, and it's had a lot of years. To, to grow into the massive industry that it is today. I was just reading some history on ladies' football on the way here in, in the taxi. Women's football was banned um, in 1921 by the FA, and that ban went on for 50 years. It's amazing Controversially, think around yeah.
1: that time that you'd have had the whole suffragette
0: movement as well, wouldn't you? Exactly. Well, the thing was, at the time, men's football and women's football were equally as popular, and women's football was a genuine competitor for men's to the degree where there was a particular game where people, apparently 10,000 people, were turned away because there wasn't enough room in the stands. It's
1: amazing.
0: From a cynical point of view, you have to kind of say, well, was it because women were getting a little bit too big for men's liking? Mm. They had this 50-year ban on on ladies' football. Ladies' football um, started to get a lot more coverage in the 90s and that's when the FA, Women's Premier League, Mm. was formed. It's grown brilliantly. Over the last 20 years, you know, considering there was that 50 year gap. The FA is a big brand. You're you're proud to be part of it. You know, I love being able to say I play for Women's Premier League. I play against the likes of West Ham and Spurs, Mm. Brighton and Hove Albion. It's it's lovely to be able to say that and put that on my sporting Mm. CV. Yeah, we've come to a point now. Where um you've got this you've got the Women's Premier League which has done wonders for women's football, yeah they've they've introduced a Super League so uh, the idea is injecting more money into it, but unfortunately it looks like it's it's coming at the expense of the Premier League.
1: And is that affecting you?
0: It does affect yeah all um, all Premier League clubs. Mm. So we've got Northern and a Southern division. So it's, it's countrywide. Now the idea of the Super League is really is is really quite nice. It's a summer league, the idea being more publicity and coverage because people are, you know the men's season is finished so people who you know still want to get a little bit of a football fix yeah. over the summer can enjoy the women's football so that's quite a nice idea put mm-hmm. in the summer however then you've you've got these super leagues in the summer but the rest of the football pyramid, pyramid excuse me from the premier league down is still in the winter. While you can see there were good intentions, unfortunately the FA are kind of sending rather mixed messages. Mm-hmm. It's like, yes, we do want progress in women's football. We're the Premier going to League. The prevalence. Yeah, yeah. The, you know, we're going to... I shouldn't not destroy, that's not the best word, but, um, you know, they're almost undermining the Premier League mm. and, you know, not appreciating what it's done for for the women's game so far. And I understand things have to change. I just wonder if the FA are going about it the right way yeah. in terms of it affecting, you know, Lewis FC and other clubs in terms of funding this season and seasons past, there was £190,000 split between 36 teams. So that's not so bad. That mm-hmm. was, uh, worked out to just about five, £5,200 mm-hmm. ish per team per season, mm-hmm. which isn't, you know, which isn't bad going really. Um, it can take anything between sort of 10 and 25,000 pounds to run mm. a premier league uh team for a season so that's been reduced from next season uh for, to 90,000 pounds um split among 72 teams oh my goodness which uh, which equates to 1250 pounds <laughs> per team oh, and that uh, be a laundry bill
1: <laughs> <laughs> kit wash <laughs>
0: I mean, well, it's, you, you know exactly. It's not um, much is it? <laughs>
1: it's not though.
0: No, it's it, you know, it's it's quite a punch in the gut really. Mm. Um about 1000 pounds that would cover an away game should we need to stay over. Mm. So um you know in terms of the minibus, uh, a hotel overnight and petrol that would probably cover that. And you know sometimes you do have you do have long to travel. I think uh, going from driving from Lewis to Cardiff, who are in our league, or Lewis to Coventry, it's a bit of a journey. So doing a three- or four-hour journey, then playing football for, you know, yeah. an hour and a half, plus your plus your warm-up, so over two hours of football, and then driving four hours back is, you know, it's quite a tiring old day.
1: And um, how does it get funded then, if you're not getting the funding from the FC?
0: Um, well, it works differently in... Various clubs, the setup that Lewis have got is 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 quite incredible really um I feel very fortunate to play for Lew- for Lewis because it's a it's Lewis Community Football Club, mm. and the men's the women's the under eighteens and the girls it's all linked and it's all joined up. How we get our funding largely is through sponsors locally mm. and you know in return they get advertising and they get mentioned in the program. So yeah we're very lucky that we've got this this great community feeling you know it's it's really quite really quite sweet you you've got these companies that are putting in money for f- for you to you know for me to play football the game i love mm. which is brilliant people from the community in lewis following you on twitter you know and you follow them back and you you Do just feel like chat like a local celebrity nearly yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's really nice it's mm. it's a really lovely way to keep in touch with with everyone mm. it, it just makes you feel that much closer to the club you know who's watching you if you are playing badly they've it's given over. up their afternoon yeah. to come and watch you play mm. you know do something do something good for them so um and how are you getting on We're not doing too badly yet we've had, it's been a bit of an inconsistent season mm-hmm. we're sort of mid-table at the moment we had a draw with Spurs on uh, on Sunday mm-hmm. we didn't put in a great first half performance mm-hmm. but had a bit of a talking to at half-time. Yeah, we improved a lot and you think, right, OK, that's that's nice. We got our goal back. Yeah, Yeah, you're kind of like, right.
1: And you're over halfway you know, through we, the season now, I assume. Is we that right?
0: are, yeah, yeah, although we had a lot of delays because of the weather. Of the weather. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, Sussex was fairly underwater as well. Mm. But yeah, we should be finishing the season sort of end of April, mm. or early May. We've still got a fair few games left and we're just getting as many wins as we can. And, and you uh, play at all the yeah. big
1: grounds as well. Then you go down to White Hart Lane. <laughs> <laughs>
0: right. um, sadly, not. No, um, mm. uh, we're very lucky at Lewis because because it's a very integrated club. We get to play on the men's pitch. A lot of women's clubs they have to go and play at other men's pitches. Mm. Now Coventry had a good one. They they were playing at the Rico Arena. Mm. So yeah, you know they've they've got it really good because that's a beautiful ground and and they can play lovely football because they've got this beautifully uh, kept ground. But, yeah, it would be nice to see more ladies uh, football teams playing at the men's ground, yeah. you know. It does change the way you play, um, mm. for sure, um, when you play in in a, in a place that's grand and it's really, mm. you know, it, it really shiny and nice and pretty. Mm. And you kind of go out and you're like, well, this is pretty incredible,
1: mm.
0: you know, rather than just going out to play on a park surrounded by houses.
1: And what's your hope for the future, for the next generation?
0: I would love to see a gradual sort of... Uh, you know, increase in, in publicity. Well, I'd love to be fifteen years younger. <laughs> but um We all wouldn't yeah. share <laughs> It would be great to see women's football getting semi pro contracts, not just in the women's super league, but in the Premier League as well. See the Premier League maintained and funded well and eventually, you know, you wanna have women playing football as a full time job. That would be brilliant. You know, I was thinking last night. But for the people who have made it, and their full-time job is ladies' football, it still doesn't pay particularly well. Mm. So men's football, it's very much like well, they get paid thirty thousand pounds a week or three hundred thousand pound a week if you're talking about Wayne Rooney. But it's a short career, you know. He could he could do his ACL at any minute, and that'd be his career over. But then you think, well, it's the same for women because we're all made up of the same parts. Women footballers are not on nearly as much as not a patch on men. Mm. Um, and I, they probably don't earn what I earn in my in my normal job or what mm. m- most people earn in their normal day job. But then it makes you think about um, what happens with their pension.
1: Mm.
0: You know, I'm lucky that I've set up a pension years ago when I first started work. But if you're a female footballer breaking into um, going full time, there isn't I don't think there's a lot of education about Pensions, Mm. but then you probably don't earn enough to get yourself a good private pension either. Mm. So I would like to see, yep, improvement in pay you know, and
1: it just being based on merit. Well, Michelle, it's fabulous speaking to you this morning. You really are a fascinating woman and um have a great journey home. I hope you get to drive the train again. So do I. <laughs> 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 always, always get a drive if I can. Actually, I forgot to ask if she managed to drive herself back home and it was amazing when she rocked up at the door in her high-vis outfit and uh, said, oh, no, I just drove here. I momentarily thought, is she quite literally just... Part the train up on the drive. It took a few minutes or so before it all fell into place. But there we are, Michelle Beasley, uh, the voice of the turbo, and as I'm sure you gained an insight into her incredibly interesting world. And don't forget to keep checking out freelancebristolmum.co.uk for more stories. Or if you'd like to get in contact with me, please do so. You can drop me a line. It's hello at freelancebristolmum.co.uk.